What's up, freaks? Welcome back to Rabbit Hole Recap. It's Monday night here. Uh, October 15th, payday. Uh, a lot has happened in the last week since we last spoke to you, freaks. A lot has happened, particularly today. Uh, a lot of topics to talk about. Before we jump into the topics, though, again, we have to thank our sponsor this week, Cash App. You guys have heard the spiel here. It's the number one app in the App Store. Uh, you can get the, the Cash App Boost Card if you don't know about it already. Let me tell you about it. Uh, so the boost card comes with the cash app. You order it on the app. You can customize it with your signature. You can put a little Bitcoin emblem there, whatever you want. Uh, you can really get creative on the card. Once you have the card in hand, uh, what you can do is initiate boost via the app. And these, the boost program gets you deals at some of the best retailers in the world. Chipotle, Shake Shack, Whole Foods, Chick-fil-A, dollar off every coffee shop. Uh, the rewards and the deals are crazy good with the, uh, the cash app. I use it every day. Uh, I'm not using the other apps anymore. Uh, and, and a good thing about the cash app card in particular, uh, is that you have very good control over it. So if you leave your wallet in an Uber, uh, and you want to make sure nobody's spending money with your cash card, you can go into the app and toggle it off. So, so make it so that nobody can use the card for a certain period of time or until you toggle uh, usage back on. Um, so visit the App Store or Google Play, uh, download the Cash App, and get your free cash card today. Uh, again, my favorite place to buy Bitcoin. Pretty seamless experience. The way they set up ACH is impeccable. Um, but all you freaks know that. We've been shilling them for a while now. Matt, what a week. How you holding up? It's been a, it's been a pretty crazy, crazy ride. Yeah. But all said and done, the price has basically not changed. Why do we even announce the price at the beginning of these pods anymore? Yeah, right. It's a stable coin. I, uh, right now, we made the bet with Murad last week, and it was at 6225, I believe. 6625 was 6625. That was it. Right now, it's at 6390. Um, after, after a busy week of news and uh, volatile. Well, we're going we're gonna to do the bet based off of Bitfinex's price, right? <laughs> Uh, we never made that clear. We not, never, I, I think we go with the trade block <laughs> index. The trade block index is probably the, the best way to no, go. No, yeah, we definitely are not using Bitfinex's price. Yeah, the XBX trade block, I think that's uh, that's a good one. That was a good transition into this uh, Bitfinex tether mess we've had. Big mess. Uh, a lot of drama going on. This is one of your favorite stories, I think, that's been ongoing for years. Uh, you had a lot of trolls that you were... You were uh, I was battling the trolls today. Today was a fun day for that. Why even feed them? I don't like blocking people. I don't either. I just mute them. Yeah, but then they're still doing their business under there, you know? I can ignore it. I, like, I'd, I'd rather see their notification and be like, I'm not going to respond. Uh, the thought of them pissing into the wind gives me much joy, so I'm a big fan of you. But they're not pissing in the wind. They're like pissing into my my followers' face. Yeah. Sorry, followers. Don't <laughs> if I can't see it, they're pissing into the wind. I think I would do block over mute, but I'm not. I don't do either. So there's right. that. All right. Regardless of that, back to the topic of at hand. Bitfinex, Bitfinex, and Tether. Uh, overnight, in particular, Tether uh, lost control of its dollar peg, and Bitfinex was trading at well over a thousand dollar premium at one point. Did it hit that high? I'm pretty sure. Yes. Uh, and right now, it's at like six hundred dollar premium or something. I think. Um. I don't know about six hundred. It is at uh, four hundred dollar. Not even four hundred. Three hundred and thirty dollar premium to bits now. That's right not now. that bad. Yeah. Uh. So, 
Last week we were talking about how the rumor was they got HSBC as their new banking partner. Yep. And that was just a rumor. Um, after their previous bank, Noble Bank, is shutting down, it looks like, or going out of business or something. Not sure if that's related to Tether. No one really knows. Um, and then they before Noble, they had a different bank that was based in Taiwan that had all U.S. deposits and withdrawals blocked by like Wells Fargo and all the major U.S. banks. So that's why they had to switch to Noble to begin with. Mm -hmm. And now they're looking for another bank. Um, At one point, they they stopped deposits. I, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I'm not... I don't know who's crazy enough to send deposits there, but withdrawals are definitely not being processed. Ooh. I think I think crypto withdrawals, like Bitcoin withdrawals, are being processed, but I'm not positive. Or cash withdrawals. Um, definitely not. It's a tough spot to be in. Yeah, I mean, the reason the premium exists is because people are buying Bitcoin and the other... The premium is not just on Bitcoin. It's on all their trading pairs, and the idea is that you... You know, you use the fiat you have on the on the exchange or the tether, and then you you buy crypto, and then you pull that off, which is what we saw with Mt. Gox uh, back in the day, uh, where the smart guys were the ones who who paid like the extra three hundred dollars for their Bitcoin and just got it the fuck out while right. while the USD was um, frozen. I I mean, we said last week, just don't use Bitfinex. Like, no one should be using Bitfinex. Right. Uh, b before all this FUD happened, this most recent round of FUD, it's just a bad idea. We went over how they had their, their previous hack that just, you know, relatively recently happened. It was like late 2016. Late 2016. I was wrong. I had originally said they lost 116,000 Bitcoin. Uh, I went to go fact check myself. It was, in fact, 120,000 Bitcoin. So a little bit more. Even worse. Even worse. Correct. Um. It was like pretty much everything, I think, because they had like no cold storage at the time. Yeah, pretty piss poor uh, security practices on behalf of Bitfinex. Yeah, and it's just a sketchy like bucket shop type exchange where it's, they're breaking U.S. regulations and, and it's just inevitable that eventually at some point like the whole thing will come come crashing down. Well, that it's uh it's tied to its ugly little stepbrother, which is Tether and Tether proving that stable coins are inherently instable in the long run. Uh, I mean, I think this is be, it's being the whole tether thing is being a little bit overblown. Why do you think that? Um, the peg isn't off that much. It was off at t by twenty percent at one point. It was trading at eighty cents overnight. But that was like it was like ticked there, right? Like it was yeah. just wicked there or whatever. It wasn't. Uh, yeah. I mean, what, what is it trading on right now? Like ninety-two cents or something? Ninety-three cents? Uh, I don't have the tether charts up right now. I can look into that. But. Uh, you know, it kind of, it makes sense that Tether would trade at a discount uh, to the other regulated to the regulated stable coins and and by extension U.S. dollar because there's more risk involved in holding it. Yeah, it's what's it at right now? Ninety-seven and a half cents. Yeah, like that's oh, it's two and a half cents off its peg. Oh my god, the end of the fucking world. You know, that's a slippery um, slope, though. You know, if their banking relationships are in trouble. And they're trying to get everyone was giving shit to Tether for the last two years because they were afraid that Tether didn't have USD reserves. They thought maybe that their reserves were backed in Bitcoin instead. Right. And now this and that their bank wasn't public. Right. And now we're seeing firsthand what the fuck happens when they are holding the reserves in USD 
and it's stuck in the legacy banking system and no banks will support them because they're breaking U.S. KYC AML laws, right? So like if they held Bitcoin reserves right now instead, or at least a portion in Bitcoin reserves, they could easily prop up their peg. The way the peg is held is, is they and market makers need to buy Tether on the market to bring it back up to the $1, right? Yeah. And if they can't get funds onto the exchanges to buy it up and bring it back up to the peg, then the peg is going gonna, is gonna to be weakened. At least if it's, you know, they can do it to a degree, but if they can't do it fully, then you're going to have like a little bit of weakened peg. Yeah, that is really uh, illuminating the, the infrastructure problems that exist in the space in particular. Yeah, I mean, like Tether was... People have such a short memory and a lot of people are new in the space. Like Tether was literally created because we had this banking blockade on all these exchanges and companies couldn't get bank accounts and they couldn't they couldn't do business through the legacy financial system. So Tether's like, we'll handle all that nitty gritty for you. And then, you know, you have to trust us. But those companies had to trust banks anyway, not, not to freeze their funds. I mean, people forget that Gox did a ton of shady shit. But like right before they went down, the U.S. government froze a bank account with five million dollars in it. Yeah, you know, like that was the the real thing that pushed it over, pushed it over the edge. I think that was February 2014. Yeah, exactly. So this is mm-hmm. it's 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 very hard to be one of these exchanges if you're not like a Coinbase or a Gemini that's like fully regulated and has a ton of money behind you and is based in the U.S. to like get proper banking partners. And when this shit when they get exposed like this and they, they lose one bank and they're scrambling for another, like, you know, it makes sense that, that you're going to have these arbitrage issues. Yeah. So, uh, what do you think happens, uh, the rest of this week? How do you think the week unfolds? Do you think <laughs> Bitfinex, uh, the funny think Bitfinex is in the clear. I think Tether's in the clear. The funny, the funny thing, uh, was, uh, Carpe knocked him on, uh, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was like 15 stable coins walk into a bar and I was the first thing that thought in my mind I was like and then they all decide that they're gonna keep their USD reserves in each other's stable coins you know <laughs> and like when Tether was first created they didn't have any the, the irony of all these Tether competitors which I don't think even compete with Tether because the whole point of Tether is it's unregulated and has no KYC is that Tether could actually presumably hold some of their USD reserves in the different stable coins if they can get their fiat to the stable coins instead of a new bank, right? They Holy could presumably shit. have like 10 different stable coins in their portfolio and, and use that as the reserve. Sounds like the beginnings of a Ponzi. Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably horrible long-term, but it could buy them some time. Yeah. Um, I think long-term, all these regulated stable coins are going to add KYC, AML, start blocking accounts and stuff, but they haven't yet. It's basically like they're, they're trying that same practice that a lot of Silicon Valley likes, which is just hourly break the law and have, have zero plans in place besides just complying and whining afterwards so like right now there's like this honeymoon period where like tether actually probably could hold like a decent amount of the competing stablecoin projects and not you know they're already at risk holding it in bank accounts because they're such a target right so like i don't think it would be that much additional risk for them but it'd be horrible you know it would connecting them all would be would be bad someone will probably do it damn stablecoin world blows my mind like yeah. the KYC AML stablecoins in particular, like 
what is their purpose like well like right now they're just they're outwardly breaking kyc aml laws but they're pretending they're complying yeah and like eventually they'll be forced to fully comply they're in an ask for for forgiveness type state yeah they have the they have the power to all these all these all the regulated fiat backed stable coins like they have us dollars in a bank like built on the tether model where they have where they have us dollars in a bank account and and it's backing everything they those are centralized they're centralized tokens just like tether is any of any of the accounts can be frozen at will they can block transactions they can refuse redemptions mm-hmm. right to actually change it back into money uh so they're completely centralized so the government goes to whatever the centralized entity is and they're like you have to comply otherwise we shut you down and in tether's case they've been hiding offshore right but all these regulated ones aren't hiding offshore so they're just going to have to comply eventually hmm. i think bit bit for next could be done uh, this could be the end of the road for Bitfinex. I think it could too. I mean, it's just like eerily similar to what was going on in Mt. Gox, like the type of vibe that is yeah. the aurora around the the rumors that are swirling about their solvency and their access to dollars. And, and I, I do you think I I don't think there's any scenario where one goes down and the other doesn't. Oh no way! Right, they both go down they, together. They go down together. All those funds are commingled and shit, right? Like there's yeah, no, there's no way. I I think they're. If one goes down, they both go down. Um, but staying on the topic of st- stable coins, another big announcement was in the last week was uh, Blockstream launching Liquid. Maybe we could avoid this with like side chains. What? Uh, so well, you just have the same situation, but instead, you know, instead of Tether running on the Omni layer, it would just run on the Liquid side chain. Yeah, uh, which is a federation. It's still. S- yeah, I mean they're they're both centralized. All right, yeah. So let's. So you have d- the same issues, really. Let's explain what happened. So Liquid, uh, been a much highly touted project by Blockstream that people have been waiting for for years now. Um, they officially launched last week and announced that they have a consortium of sixteen exchanges, I believe. Might have been more than that. Might have been more. Might have been more than twenty. Like the thirties, wasn't it? Might have been. But they were like none of the big exchanges. Yeah, there was like <laughs> Bitmax was probably the biggest, and Bitmax. Yeah, Bitmax was on the list. Was Bitmax on the list? Yeah, they were. Um, yeah, but anyway, a lot. They of, were all like the quasi legal ones. Yeah, a lot of exchanges I didn't, uh, I don't really recognize to be honest. But I think they a lot were in Asia and are, they really don't cross our paths. Yeah, I think like OKCoin OK was definitely on there. Yeah, um, but they finally released Liquid product that's been talked about for a while. And it's a federated two-way peg side chain, basically, that uh, allows... They have a federation of these companies that are participating. Uh, and they basically run the nodes and confirm everything that's going on on the side chain. And with it, you can do special things like issue assets, uh, do confidential transactions, and it will really help the exchanges that are uh, involved do settlement a lot quicker than, than doing it on the base chain. Uh, yeah, it's basically like they took... a. Almost like a copy of, of of Ripple's tech, and they bolted it on top of Bitcoin, so mm-hmm. you can seamlessly go back and forth. And the unit is always Bitcoin, you know. So it's one to one. You load Bitcoin in, and, and then you get equivalent amount of, of liquid B, BTC mm-hmm. on the other chain, and and it gives you all the benefits of these. The easiest way to make transactions on your network cheap and fast is to centralize, right? Yep. So the idea here is. They the liquid network is centralized. The liquid chain is centralized, and then it gives you or like quasi centralized because there's like 23 participants that like a quorum of them can fuck with shit. 
and then in, in and then you get cheap and fast transactions as a result. Uh, and the main use case they're saying right now is is inter-exchange settlement. Settlement. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in my opinion, like everybody was like, "Oh my god!" Like the blockstream conspiracy theorists came out. Of course, it was perfect timing. Um, Paul Paul Stork uh, was not happy. Uh, he had some words to say. I don't want to say he wasn't happy, but he criticized it a little bit. But the way I view it is just like Blockstream is proving a use case on top of Bitcoin, the protocol level. Yes, it may not be the side chain I want to participate in, but they they are proving that it's possible and maybe paving the way for other side chain projects to build the confidence to deploy. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just like too simple for Paul. Yeah. Uh, it's like a very... And it really jives with like Blockstream's uh, ethos that it's just a, it's a they simplified it to just do one thing really well, and they get there's a bunch of trade offs. The main things are centralization, and censorship resistance, but but they have a working product that you know can work right now and has a major use case, which is sending Bitcoin between exchanges. And one of the issues with sending Bitcoin between exchanges is a lot of people watch those transfers and front run them. Mm-hmm. But Liquid has confidential transactions, so you can't see like the amounts and the destinations. So so, you, so the arbitrage, it makes the markets more efficient. It's harder for them to be front run. Yeah, apparently it's going to screw up a lot of uh, indicators like the MVT. Yeah, um, I don't know if it'll... We'll see. That's what Willie Wu was saying. He's yeah, saying, I mean, it's his indicator. Yeah. Um, but like our transactions are still going to be counted, you know. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So liquid, I think it's just cool to see it launched and in the wild, and it's proving that anything these altcoin projects are like trying to to differentiate themselves in a product market fit perspective, like can be built on top of Bitcoin on different layers. And this is something I've been preaching for years. Many people have, uh, and I think. This is an event that proves that this is a workable thesis. Yeah, we have like our own centralized network that gives you all the benefits that like your favorite centralized chain of choice offers you. But you know, the fast transactions, cheap transactions, you can you can issue tokens on top of it so they can do all their fun little token games that they want to do. Uh, and it's just all bolted on top of Bitcoin, no ICO, no token required. Are we hypocrites for being okay with this being done on top of Bitcoin, but not other networks? No. I had a Bitcoin Cash troll ask me why I was worried about centralizing on-chain, but not centralized liquid. And the main reason is because I'm never going to fucking use liquid. So why the why the hell do I care? You know, it, it is an option. It gives you another option. And there's no reason that if... <laughs> Your goal is a centralized network that you need it to have its own token and everything. Like you might as well just build it on top of the strongest, most secure network. Exactly. It comes back to security of the base network. And Bitcoin has proven up to this point that it is the most secure, most robust network at the protocol level, I would argue. Um, Ethereum, they're uh, trying hard to transition to proof of stake. I don't know how big this news is it's just a development but uh i think friday or saturday 
they were attempting to um, to perform a a hard fork on the test net to basically prove the use case of Constantinople, I guess, which is part of their transition to proof of stake. Uh, and there was a huge kerfuffle. Uh, the test net just started, stopped, excuse me, mining blocks for hours on end. And apparently when the first block was mined, uh, there was a consensus split between the three uh, different um, node protocols. And you had three different Ethereum chains on the test net. Uh, I added this to my, to my thread that, that uh, is basically expounding upon. I don't think POS is ever going to come. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I mean, I, I own so many Ethereum POS-related domains. Like, it'd be nice if it uh, actually came to fruition. Uh, I mean, we've been talking about this uh, for, for a while now. I, I mean, I've been... And and on, on Twitter, it's been heating up a lot recently about arguments of, of proof-of-work versus proof-of-stake. And I actually think that... Ethereum is pushing itself into a corner where they have to do proof of stake to compete with the chains that are launching with proof of stake default that are competing for the same user market fit, which is like these smart contract platforms or whatever they want to call it, mm -hmm. which is like the Tezoses and the EOS and I don't know, like I probably Definity and Cosmos or whatever. I don't know. All our VC friends talk about those and I know nothing about them. <laughs> Hedera hashgraph or whatever I don't know, uh, and so they're like kind of pushed into a corner because they need they they want to compete with those guys, but at the same time, they by doing it, they're gonna lose. I think they've already lost, but they're gonna lose the war against Bitcoin because it, proof of stake is inherently less secure and less resilient uh, than proof of work. So I actually thought maybe for a little bit there they would back off because I also think there'll be a chain split when they ultimately tell the miners to go fuck themselves. Well, that's, that's one thing like I'm interested to find out. Like, so apparently there was no miners willing to mine this hard fork on testnet. Like maybe this is, because they're already angry about it. Exactly. So maybe this is a signal from the miners like, fuck you. I like, mean, and they're also cutting minor incomes, like the next hard fork. Like they, oh, this is, I think this will cut the reward from yeah. three to two. And they've, they've talked about, they've talked about, uh, forking off ASICs and making... So, like, miners have just been neglected. Like, mm -hmm. absolutely neglected. And, like, how do you invest... Uh, you know, how do you make investments in the network when you're constantly getting neglected? But anyway, all this renewed talk on Twitter and on Reddit and IRC and stuff, I'm... They're all in. They're going... They're gonna... If they break the chain, if it takes breaking the chain and, you know, they're gonna... They're going to go for POS. They're going to go for proof of stake. I don't think, I mean, you know, I, it might not be so soon and it's going to be messy as fuck, but I think eventually we will, we will see, we will see the attempted transition. And then ultimately after that, maybe it's a year or two, we'll see like a major proof of stake chain failure. And then we'll finally be able to put all this shit to rest and be like proof of work is, is what it's all about. Damn, that seems like a long time from now. I don't know if I have the energy to put up with this nonsense for... I don't want to say nonsense, but... Uh, highly recommend you freaks. I actually went and reread this piece from Paul Stork over the weekend that he wrote in August 2015. Nothing is cheaper than proof of work. And basically proved that at the end of the day, costs are just sloshed around. Uh, if you're going to transition to proof of stake, those costs just 
uh, pop up in different areas of of the network. And so if you guys are interested in learning uh, about proof of work versus proof of stake in a very detailed manner, I highly recommend going to truthcoin.info and checking out Paul's blog post, Nothing is Cheaper Than Proof of Work. Also, uh, POW versus POS, which is uh, .com, which, which I have redirected to my favorite piece by Hugo uh, on on the resilience of proof of work versus proof of stake. Well, this is actually a good uh, spontaneous topic. Hugo actually just put out another piece where he expounded upon that that piece you're Yeah, that piece was good too. I uh, retweeted that. I also think I might I might change my redirect to that new to that new page. I really kind of want to create like a landing page where it's just like all of Hugo's work. <laughs> That's going to be my proof of work versus POS. Uh. Well, this most re- recent um, post, he really drove home the fact that like POW like secures all the economic value that's been transacted on the network up to this point in time, whereas proof of stake, it's only securing the stake at a certain point in time and that stake can leave somewhere in the future. And it doesn't really create like the Ember effect that proof of work does over time. I just think that like proof of work is fucking beautiful (laughs) and people don't appreciate it enough and don't realize that like one of the main geniuses of Bitcoin is how the distributed proof of work comes into effect and securing the network and providing a fair, fair distribution of the incoming supply that can't be gamed that you always know like what the true chain is, what the chain that, that has, you know, the highest, the highest cumulative proof of work is just, it's the connection from the the digital to the physical world. It's such a, it's so short sighted to think that that it's a waste or that that it that it could be replicated by, you know, a couple lines of code that say that you own some funny money. Yeah, that's a concept that's I forget who was bringing it up on Twitter this week, but that should really be driven home is that like proof of work is the first like connection between the physical and digital world, like where you're you're connecting the value destroyed in the physical world and, and uh, representing that in the digital world. It is pretty fascinating and uh, a huge revolution that, that like you said, I don't think enough people appreciate. Um, yeah, so that's proof of work versus proof of stake. Ethereum. Uh, tried to do it on the test net or begin doing it on the test net over the weekend. Had a little hiccup. I think they're going to try again this week. We shall see. What's the name of that dev who was talking about it? Um great question afri i believe and he said he said he thinks he says he thinks it's going to be delayed till 2019 now uh at least on the main net so I yeah think that's the important part yeah so i think they're they're going to try get it on the test net in the coming weeks uh, let me find this i mean i guess there's a scenario here where they just never get to it in time and everyone just Abandoned. all the ethereum proponents just switch to their favorite proof of stake chain of choice yeah, that's a, it is a race against the clock uh, in many aspects. Uh, their chain's getting bigger, obviously, as a proof-of-work chain. Like that's another reason why they want to get a proof-of-stake is the, the burden of, of the data size of the chain. Um, but that still exists in proof-of-stake. Not as... It's, isn't it highly... Uh, but the efficient part is that they don't have to do the proof-of-work part. Yeah. But, but the actual 
state size and shit is still but it'll grow the at a same slower pace data. correct why would it grow at a slower place it's, it matters how many transactions there are is what is what is increasing it huh. they want to shard and do all those other like pruning and yeah. sharding and all this other stuff that'll presumably make the node requirements lower which i don't think will but that's the plan but that has nothing really to do with proof of stake proving my ignorance here thank you for schooling me matt um uh yeah so afri showed on was the guy that i wrote about my news or or added to the thread he he was talking about it uh going back to being able to do things on top of bitcoin that all coins want to do another project that we want to highlight this week uh is i wrote about in the newsletter today uh some dude out of germany matthias i forget his last name off the top of my head but he basically showed a proof of concept of him walking up to a bike and renting it uh, using the Lightning Network, uh, doing a Lightning Network payment to basically rent the bike, hop on it, and start riding away. And I thought this was interesting because this was very similar to what Slocket was trying to do when they launched the DAO. Like this was going to be one of the first companies that got funded with the DAO tokens, correct? I don't remember that that specifically until you called it out on on Twitter. Yeah. No, that's that's what Slocket was. That was, was. one of the DAO investments. Was really well, it was run by, so Slocket led the DAO, and their whole company was right. like an internet of things, like being able to unlock and use things, quote-unquote, the internet of things, which I think is another buzzword, but basically. IoT. Yeah, basically using uh, a blockchain token to to prove ownership at a certain point of time and rent out at a microtransaction level. I right, the whole point of the DAO was that it was going to make autonomous investments in other autonomous investments <laughs> and then you were just going to sit back and make money but instead they just lost all their money yeah that's why we have ethereum classic but what's, uh, what's kind of interesting is i was on uh i was on world crypto net today with uh richard myers of gotenna mm-hmm. very jealous of that yeah it was really a humbling experience and big thanks to richard and the whole gotenna team for everything they do um but what was interesting was we brought up the lightning bike and it'd be pretty cool if that lightning bike had like a little gotenna in it right to to handle the transactions and the communications it would be completely you could have it basically off grid and if you had enough lightning bikes they they're all notes so right. they're all communicating with each other and then helping out the rest of the mesh at the same time so you do mesh plus lightning and then all of a sudden you have like these lime scooters or whatever, but you can just have them in completely like separate, decentralized, you know, distributed. A true cypherpunk. That's pretty cool. Utopian future. A, a true cypherpunk <laughs> uh, electric bike ranting future. <laughs> but, again, <laughs> but again, this is what I stress in the newsletter today. Like this is proving that patience is key in this space. Like uh, expanding on what liquid enables us to do that other blockchains are pro- pro- proclaiming that they can do that Bitcoin can't. Uh, what Matthias is proving with this lightning bike is like, this was a big idea of a company that raised a bunch of money. And if people were willing to wait, it took a decade for Bitcoin to get built out at a protocol level to get SegWit enabled then start building out the primitives. Sorry for using that word of lightning network. Uh, and then getting the network stack to a point where yes, we can enable this type of microtransaction economy uh it just took 10 years to build the infrastructure to get there it's going to take time to build out the system well i mean it matters who you're talking to like 
if you're an ICO promoter, patience isn't good. Like you should shill this idea now, make bank, and then never deliver a good product. But if you're like the consumer, like don't jump into that. Be patient. Yeah. Um, hopefully that that is a theme that gets spread spread more widely now. It's patience. It's a virtue. I mean this this last run we've had we had ICOs for every single bullshit thing you could think of. And 99% of them didn't need their own token. Right? 99.99% I would say. Yeah, I was just being nice. You wanted to uh you have Go10 on the list here too. Is there, is there anything else you want to touch on Go10? Oh no, I just wanted to say that I okay. had a great conversation with Richard. Yeah, shout out Richard. Thanks for uh, all the work that you're doing. Uh Scoop here, we're, I think we're going to get Daniela uh, the the CEO of Gotenna on Tales from the Crypt for an interview series episode in in the next few weeks. So be on the lookout for that. Um, today we had some big news. On to the next topic, Fidelity announced that they're they're going to roll out custodial services for institutional investors, uh, starting with Bitcoin. Uh, pretty big news, um, especially in the midst of all this Tether and Bitfinex fud. It was good to see. Uh, a glimmer of shining hope in in the news today. So Fidelity has sort of opened the door and uh, like uh, CoinShare has put out a piece, I believe it was a month ago, maybe three weeks ago, where they said uh, bull runs are usually, uh, are usually uh, preceded by new on-ramps being developed for new types of investors. And this is a pretty big on-ramp. I just feel like every day we're getting new big on ramps. It's like what I was talking to you and Murad about last week. I was like, how, like, these are major fucking players. This is not, you know, 2014, 2015 bullshit where we're excited about some half ass mention by a CEO of Bitcoin. Or <laughs> right. It's not a overstock CEO pumping out at some random conference. This is a major deal. I think they have 1.2 trillion under assets. That's a lot of money. Yeah. So quite a a lot of money. Anybody investing within Fidelity now has access to Bitcoin at an institutional custodial level, which is huge. Interested to see how they're doing custody. Uh, They're doing it all in-house. So um, let's hope they have some experts in there. Well, I mean, I I like Pierre's comment. Like if you outsourcing a solution is just someone else's in-house solution. So yeah. Have they outsourced it? No, they they in-housed it, which yeah. is good. No, people don't like when you in-house. They, you know, they say, oh, use BitGo or something. Yeah. But it's good. More options, the better. They have a lot of money. They're supposedly, like, pretty real about it. Like, they, they know what they're talking about. So uh, we'll see. Yeah. They've Fidelity. Been, they've been on the scent for years. And that was the one thing, uh, if you guys watched the, I guess there was a conference hosted by Bloomberg today. They had a live stream. I watched that throughout the day. And I forget the man's name who was representing Fidelity, but uh, he said they've been working on these products for, for four or five years now. So yeah, that's good to see. Just that alone. Like they announced it at a fucking Bloomberg conference in New York, right? <laughs> yeah. Like it was a, it was like a major live event and I don't know. It's really hard. I mean, I look at everything on a long-term basis, but it's like really hard for me to be, for me to be bearish right now. This kind of news is, is crazy. It's going to help you get that, those two stakes on January 1st. I mean, it might not, but but either way, it'll help me get a lot more stakes after January 1st. <laughs> I So it's cause it's the whole idea is that they, they're going to provide custodial options for institutions, right? They'll hold the Bitcoin for you. They'll hold potentially Ethereum, but I think it starts with Bitcoin. Yeah. 
Yeah, and Galaxy's partnering with them. So Nova's bringing his pump train to, to the Fatality Custodial uh, Solutions. So there'll be a whole slew of shit coins. <laughs> you can count right? on that. Yeah, we'll see how that progresses. So, so Maybe Arjun was wrong. Maybe uh, maybe the institutional investors will buy your bags on Binance. Maybe they will. That would be incredible. Actually, I don't even have a Binance account. Um, but um, Noriel, do we want to jump into him? Fuck Noriel. Did you see he's claiming he's getting hacked by crypto terrorists today? Because uh, people are clicking the I forgot your password button and he's getting like the email. <laughs> he's getting other email resets. That's pretty funny. That's not hacking, Noriel. That's just trolling. You'll see what hacking is. Oh, don't say that. We're not. We're I'm not advocating for it, but you know, you you stirred the wrong rabbit's ne- you know the wrong rabbit's nest. Kicked the hornet's nest. No, rabbit's nest or rabbit hole recap. Oh uh, yeah, you could say that. Rabbits can be fierce. Yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, rabbits can be fierce. I don't know about that. Fierce lovers. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think uh, actually think our. Friend Nick Carter said it well, like these, uh, and it's interesting because Noriel oh, thread was fire. Yeah, his comments were on point, like ninety-five percent of the time. Uh, we're, we're referencing his con- congressional hearing that he uh, he went to the was the House Banking Committee uh, and testified. Is it Senate or House? Senate, Senate House and uh, Banking Committee, Senate Banking Committee. Excuse me. Uh, Noriel was there with Peter Van Valkenburg from Coin Center, who was. Uh, very impressive. I can't believe he, he kept a level head throughout, and he was a very good advocate for Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general and did a very good job of breaking it down, in my opinion, for uh, the congressmen and women. Uh, but Noriel, that's like I wrote about it last week too. Like I just I hate that our government brings idiots like him to talk on a subject where he's obviously uh, not well-versed or as well-versed as he should be. He's never even sent a Bitcoin transaction. Like, if you haven't even attempted to send a Bitcoin transaction, like, fuck you. You don't get to tell <laughs> me anything about it. Right. And, like, I'm, I'm not going to appreciate your opinion. I mean, his, he's famous. he famously called Bitcoin's death at $58 in 2013, and he just keeps doubling down on it because he feels like a fucking fool. And now, recently, like, Bitcoiners have celebrated him a little bit because he's been trashing on shitcoins. But I refuse to celebrate him. He doesn't get that. He can just go fuck himself. And and the important thing is, is that him and like Paul Krugman and the rest of those guys, not owning Bitcoin is a huge positive for my Bitcoin value prop because I look forward to them having to buy our bags, you know, way down the road when they finally get on board. Yeah. And Nick, it's a feature, not a bug. And Nick pointed out, uh, it's a good reason these people are la- lashing out and particularly, I mean, their careers are built on a system that we are openly uh, questioning and, and questioning and moving away from uh, with our investment dollars by buying Bitcoin and we're opting out of the fiat system. And this is shared. This is what Nick said. This is shared artifice. It erodes its power and legitimacy. So we're, we're actively trying to, delegitimize what these people have built their careers on. So it makes sense that they're lashing out. If you're a statist, it's really hard to understand the value prop of Bitcoin. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Like if you if you trust your government, then there is zero value to Bitcoin. And that is absolutely fair. Mm-hmm. You will not trust your government in the future at some point and you'll come on board is 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 what I think. But if you if you just 
if you want to do all these outlandish bullshit claims and say like Bitcoin is dead, Bitcoin's dying, it's a failed project, it's completely unnecessary, like we're gonna give you shit about it. You know, that's what's gonna happen. But like I completely understand that status don't see the value prop. Yeah. And then uh I mean this is like some bullshit e news gossip here, but then like Vitalik hop in said I'd debate you. Apparently there's gonna be a Noriel versus Vitalik debate. I think I'd rather masturbate with Ben Gay than 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 be subjected to that. I literally choked on my beer when you told me that <laughs> in Telegram. He like actually sent that message. Definitely very painful. I would watch the chat over masturbating with Ben Gay. Uh, I don't know, but that's like the only reason I would do it. Like if I was being forced to, if you were put in that uh, predicament, put in that situation. <laughs> uh, you know, Vitalik. Pierre Pierre Richard said something interesting about that. It's like Vitalik has to defend his pre mine. Like mm-hmm. he has no choice. Like with Bitcoiners, like we can just ignore this guy and the tide's just gonna keep rolling and and sooner or later he's gonna have to they're gonna have to adopt it. All these guys are gonna eventually have exposure to Bitcoin. Yeah. Um yeah, we'll not be tuning into that debate if it happens. The other thing Noriel said is that like Cash App and like Venmo and like all these other PayPal and shit are like the real fintech heroes and like oh. Bitcoin doesn't bring anything new to the table. Like no one Thank in fucking for Venezuela is using using Venmo. They can't. It's literally a sanctioned country. They literally can't use fucking Venmo. Well, and that and I'm happy you brought that up because this is actually a very important distinction we need to make. Like they are not they might be in a fintech car- category, but most of these companies I would I would with high confidence say are not creating new financial technology. What they're creating is better UX on existing financial tech technology on, on existing financial rails. Bitcoin is truly new fintech because it's completely new technology. Whereas Square, uh, PayPal, Venmo, they're using fintech that's been around for decades and they're just putting a better UX on it and really helping the users out by taking the burden of dealing with the incumbent financial system. I mean, yeah, that's that's a very good point. I mean, it comes down to the fact that they're not censorship resistant, and they they don't have sound. It's not sound money. Those are the two the two main value props of Bitcoin. Is that is that is that your government can't stop you from using it, or it's very difficult for your government to stop you from using it. It's very difficult for your government to seize your money, and it's very difficult for your government to inflate away your value. And none of those services offer that. And it shows how fucking privileged him and Krugman are that they keep thinking that. Like, if you think that, you are wrong. Like, there's plenty of things <laughs> where I'm like, you're not necessarily wrong. Like, there's different opinions. It's a scale. There's grace. You know, not, not everything's black and white. But, like, if you think that Apple Pay or Venmo or Cash App is a competitor of Bitcoin, you're just wrong. Just playing out fucking wrong. I would agree. Um, no, but it does show like, and after watching the Bloomberg conference today, like it was a lot of good news, but there was also like a lot of bullshit buzzwords being thrown around. It's like, holy shit. Like these people are so out of their depth in some cases that it's like, we are, it's, it's comforting to be like, all right, we're a little bit ahead of the curve here. If we are right. No, I mean, I mean, it was a Bloomberg blockchain conference, right? It wasn't a Bloomberg Bitcoin conference. Yeah. So that says all you need to know right there, you know? Uh, if anything, like if you don't want to just be Bitcoin, you could call it a Bloomberg POW conference, you know, because I think that's the bigger, the the bigger creation than than blockchain. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
Yeah, I mean, the other thing that, that made me realize, there's all these different things that make me realize that not only are we still very early, but that there's a lot of money to be made off of dumb money that thinks they're smart money, mm-hmm. is there was a lot of talk this weekend about Bitcoin wallet UX not being easy to use. And like a couple of prominent, well-positioned people that have like a lot of money behind them mentioned that they still feel uneasy when they're sending a Bitcoin transaction. Um, that blows my mind. Right. Like I, is it, is it a hundred percent simple? No, but like the easy being your bank, being your own bank will never be the easiest option or the easiest choice or the most convenient choice. It's always going to have drawbacks. You're going to have to put in a little effort and you're going to, and I think it's worth it to put in that effort, but I, it is. It has gotten so much. There's still a long, long way to go in crypto UX and Bitcoin UX, but they, it's come so far. And if you put in, you know, two hours, three hours of time, like you should be able to figure this shit out. You should be able to figure out how to use a Trezor. It's like pretty obvious. Yeah, uh, like at this point, if you're like five years in, you should have at least downloaded a wallet, downloaded a seed, like realize like what you're working with. And then again, like I would say, like there are ways to be very comfortable with sending Bitcoin transactions. It just has a, a mental checklist of like, all right, I'm going to check these boxes before I hit send. And with the, especially with hardware wallets that are out there right now, you can check on the device that the address lines up, and you just read that ten times to be safe. The hardware wallet even fucking tells you it's like now check it on the device. Exactly. Then press the check mark. Then you press check and you press send. Like, could it be easier? Like, yeah, it could be easier. But like, your your own bank, governments yeah. can't seize your money. Exactly. You know, it's not ever going to be as easy as Venmo. It's impossible because Venmo can always you can always call customer service and Venmo could be like, well, we're going to change up the transactions or whatever, and like move it around for you and help you out and do these things. Yeah, it's about complete responsibility here, people. It's uh, it is going to be like you said. Is it going to take a little work? Uh, it's going to be a little stressful at times, but. Uh, it is the price to be paid to attain self-sovereignty in today's day and age. Maybe, I mean, and I, even with that being said, I think the UX is probably going to get orders of magnitude better throughout time. Wait, this is the easiest UX for maintaining self-sovereignty we've ever had in humankind. <laughs> right. Okay. Alternative way of putting it. Yeah. Ridiculous. That's ridiculous to me. Yeah. Like I kind of, I like, I understand like it's, it's complicated guys. I understand. Well, that's a, you know, but play around with a little bit amount of money. Just play around with like $50, send it between your wallet, send it to your buddy, send it back from your buddy, you know, we, bet him 10 cents on something, but you know, whatever. We were talking about this earlier today too. Like a lot of people have claimed to have had their aha moment when they read the white paper the first time, but I truly did not have my aha moment until I downloaded a wallet recorded a seed phrase uh, and then sent Bitcoin from Coinbase to that wallet. I was like, holy shit, like I have this money in these 24 words now. And that was my aha moment. And like you were saying earlier, these people who have never likely used Bitcoin and are diminishing it, uh, I've never had the opportunity to have that aha moment. And I think if they tried, they may have that. My favorite was the tip bots. I, I, I think I'm really hoping that we see some lightning tip bots come back because uh, one of my favorite things to do was troll people. I guess I was at the forefront of the 
the Ripple Tipbot troll, where I would like tip economists five dollars in Bitcoin and tell them to go fuck themselves. Were you using Change Tip? What were you using? Yeah, I was using Change Tip. It was centralized. <laughs> it was yeah. other, and the beauty of Change Tip was I could send them the tip, and because it was all off chain, if they never claimed it, which ninety nine percent of the times they didn't claim it. I could just reuse that money and do it to someone else. So I would send like large tips, not this XRP bullshit where they send you like two cents. Mm-hmm. I would send like $10. I'd be like, go buy a round of beers, you know? And they just wouldn't accept it. Right. It was crazy. The opportunities people had to get Bitcoin earlier days. Like remember faucets? Like you could literally just go to a website, put in a public address and you get sent like five Bitcoin. Wait, that's what I, I would. I think we talked about it on the pod that it's like one of the first examples of Gavin being naive as yes, fuck. Yes. Gavin Anderson, the former uh, lead uh, scientist of the Bitcoin project. <laughs> uh, the yeah, the former maintainer of the Bitcoin uh, project. He had an early faucet, and it was set up in such a way that like people were gaming the captcha to get all the Bitcoin and drain the faucet. And he was just like, oh, my God, like, why are people being so mean about it? You know, like, I, just, I had created this 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 easy faucet for everyone to use, and they're being so mean. It's like, dude, stop being so naive. If it can be gamed, it will be gamed. Exactly. Yeah. But it was crazy that those existed. Could you imagine? Oh, this is actually a good topic of the last week. Did you see that puzzle that got solved? Somebody, there's so, the, so for you freaks that don't know, there's been many times in the past where artists will create puzzles with Bitcoin private keys hidden in images. And last week, uh, an artist released one of these puzzles and the reward was 310 Bitcoin. I think it was solved in like five days. So just for like solving a puzzle, puzzle somebody got a couple mil. It wasn't 300, 310 Bitcoin. 310 Bitcoin. Uh, why isn't this, why didn't this pop up on my feed? Did you tweet about it? I think I retweeted it. I didn't, I didn't why didn't about you talk it. about it? That's, that should have been in Marty's Bent, the best newsletter in the space. Maybe I'll write about it tomorrow, though. You should you should write, you should say it's my recommendation. <laughs> but that's crazy. I'm going to look that up afterwards. That's pretty badass. <coughs> yeah, but it, like if you're, if you're out there wondering how to attain Bitcoin, you might not have much... Uh, uh, disposable income there are things out there where if you are wise enough and uh, cunning enough to solve these types of puzzles uh, people will give you 310 bitcoin yeah i don't think that's really that I, I i still think the i do agree that i think the most viral way of marketing this shit is like a ready player one style international race race or puzzle or something to <laughs> get a get a pot at the end you think that's what she's going to do at some point that would be such a cool way of doing it all right um, he'd have to do it like right away, like just put it into like a multi sig or something where he he can't spend it, uh, and then the other key is is it's somewhere else releases it. Yeah. Otherwise, the market would just freak out. So, <laughs> but I I have faith that he she they would would do it properly if they still have access. Um, but I think that's the most viral way. Like you tell you tell the whole world that there's there's two hundred million dollars worth of money in like ten different places. And like people will go crazy for it. <laughs> it would be like an absolute phenomenon. Uh, treasure hunt. Yeah. Modern day treasure hunt. It would be really cool. Or you can, uh, there was people that hit it in uh, that new game. I forget what that game is called. Sky something. The one that was super overrated. And then the open, it's like an open world game. And they're like yeah. hiding $30 worth of Bitcoin in different planets. You wouldn't be able to like explore the whole universe of the game in one lifetime. Right. Like, That's pretty cool. Yeah. 
And that's that's even more Ready Player One style, where like it's actually all virtual, and you can do that with Bitcoin because all you need to do is 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 put those private keys anywhere where text is allowed, and and people can claim it. Do you remember the Geo Altcoin project? The what? What Geo? So Geo was an altcoin project, and this is something that could happen to Bitcoin, like to play out what you're uh, what you're envisioning right now. Is they were like an AR based? I believe I don't know if it was AR or just. What they did was basically airdrop uh, Geo, their altcoin, into geographic locations. You'd have to go with your cell phone and like claim the Geo in those locations. But you could conceivably do that with Bitcoin in the future with uh, augmented reality and virtual reality and do like treasure hunts like that where you, you go and find a private key and you can maybe even like use a QR code scanner to, to get Bitcoin like in an AR world. Uh, a QR code could work if you use yeah. GPS. GPS based, that shit's just gonna get gamed. It's too easy to yeah to fool it. No, if, but they you prove- saw it with like shit like Pokemon Go. Like people were like pretending they were in like Tokyo to get the the rare Pokemon or something. Yeah, you know. No, but it, it proved again. It was a proof of concept. That's fair. Yeah, um, but that's another example of something like if we- you have patience, it will be on Bitcoin. But if you want to make a bunch of money shilling your altcoin or ICO, then don't have patience and do it right now and dump it on retail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Patience, people. That's the uh, theme of today, tonight's episode. Just wait for it, man. Patience is key. Uh, that's the list of topics I have. Do you want to riff off anything else? We got like 10 minutes. Uh, you shouldn't keep large amounts of money on exchanges. If you want to trade, use multiple exchanges and split up the money. Consider every time you send Bitcoin to an exchange, it's lost forever. That's that's a, that, that's that's a assumption model you should be working under. I just I just assume it's a black hole, and then I just plan accordingly. Um, that's good advice. And just don't use Bitfinex. You shouldn't be holding Tether. Uh, yeah, and I think let's. Uh, I'll expound on that topic in particular. Like the fud around Bitfinex and Tether. Like I like we said. Like we do not recommend it. I do not use Tether. I do not use Bitfinex. And I like Bitfinexed the. I don't want to call him a conspiracy theorist, but the guy has been on this case for a while. The guy that dumped it, dumped at eight hundred dollars, and yeah. has been telling everyone to sell their Bitcoin but, since then. But this this stuff is not structurally uh, structurally. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like what what happens if Tether and Bitfinex go down tomorrow? It's not structurally is Bitcoin dead, Marty. No, Do, it's or not. is it over? No, the network's still going to be producing blocks. Like that's the thing. Like their extensions of the network there's layers built on top of the network to to an extent like it is not bitcoin that's what that's the message i'm trying to get do not conflate bitfinex and tether with bitcoin success if anything it shows the value of bitcoin because tether isn't a competitor to bitcoin if if it fails it shows you why centralized solutions are inherently less secure than bitcoin is right the whole value prop of bitcoin is that it, it can't collapse like tether can collapse and also, all the funds in Tether have already fucking dumped, right? They already sold their Bitcoin for Tether. <laughs> They're, you know, I, I, does Bitcoin go through like a little bit of a FUD crisis Definitely. as it happens? Yeah, maybe it drops $1,000, you know, maybe it goes right under our $6,600 bet before January 1st just to fuck me. Like that might happen, you know, but long term... Bitcoin's unaffected. Literally, absolutely ridiculous. It's a noise. It's a noise in the long term. Complete, complete noise. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say. 
tonight. Had a good weekend. Very low key. Made a nice beef bovignon last night. Actually reheating on the oven right now. Wow. What, what is that? Which is a nice stew. Nice, nice stew. fall Stew's stew. Good. Felt like a good fall night to make a stew. I like you. Just you give them. You give our listeners a solid beef reference. Just I've been eating. I've been eating meat. Don't worry. I had some red meat last night. Fasted today. What um? You got any final thoughts? Um. Uh. Fuck Noriel. <laughs> uh. Tethers. You know. If you don't own Tether, you don't have any money in Bitfinex, like, it's not the end of the world. If if for some reason tomorrow everything fucking implodes, like, don't freak out. Like, if you're going to freak out, just sell now, you know, right? Because there's going <laughs> to be, like, there's going to be, if, if it fails, there'll be, like, panic wicks and shit where the price is going to go a little bit, go a little bit honky. But if anything, I think... There's this situation here where Tether being gone removes like a major FUD line. So like if Tether gets get implodes and Bitcoin's still standing, whether that's at like 4500 or whatever the fuck the price is, like institutional guys and all the you know finance bros and shit, they're all going to be like survive this. Let's go. Yeah, all of a sudden there's this this major black mark that's on you know black eye that's on uh that is somehow put on the bitcoin bitcoin community that whole narrative is gone they're just they're gonna have to come up with another narrative that we're gonna have to argue about for two years and then <laughs> and then hopefully that narrative will be gone it'll happen uh, expect it uh that's all we got for tonight freaks uh thanks for our sponsor cash app uh shout out to our friends honey miner too they're gonna be doing a gpu giveaway soon so be on the lookout for that on Honeyminer uh, on their Twitter. And then... And uh, our ref link is stackingsats.com for that. You got to fix that link. I'm going to fix the link, but that's the ref link. I own the domain. Stackingsats.com. Great domain name. Great domain I own name. that domain name. That's our referral link. If you guys are liking this, please rate, share, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. Unsubscribe. Yeah, un- <laughs> everyone go unsubscribe and resubscribe. Does that help us? That doesn't help I us. I think that helps us a little bit. Okay, it's- everyone go unsubscribe and resubscribe. <laughs> That's an old uh, barstool trick. If it can be gamed, we will game it. Yes, we will. And you freaks can have the solace of knowing that in perpetuity. Enjoy your nights. Peace and love. Love you guys. Cheers. <laughs>